Today on CityCast Boise, happy Friday. Emission testing is dead, crazy landlord fees are no more, and Am and Bundy's barbecue standoff was a bust. I'm rounding up the news with contributors Jimmy Dawson and Heath Drusen. Plus, Heath tries to convince me to care about people on bikes racing around downtown this weekend. It's Friday, July 7th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Heath. Emma, hello. Hey, Emma. Thanks for being here. We had a pretty... Kind of a slow news week, but still actually kind of a lot going on. Um, Jimmy, let's start with you because several new laws in Idaho just took effect July 1st. Uh, Let's talk admissions testing. Let's start with that. It's gone. It's done. And Jimmy, you just had this story on Boise State Public Radio about it. What is the deal here? And are there any concerns about rolling back environmental protections? Oh, man. Yeah. So this is something that I think a lot of people in the Treasure Valley are uh, celebrating. A lot of people are kind of like, why, why are we doing this? <laughs> why are we rolling this back? Uh, because Ada and Canyon counties were the only places in the state to require emissions testing because uh, of our poor air quality over the past couple decades, really. And so that program was implemented in order to reduce vehicle emissions, trying to uh, make it so we could breathe during inversions and not add to like the wildfire uh, smoke issues that we already have in the summer. But state lawmakers back in 2022 uh, were like, hey, look, uh, the Idaho Department of Environmental Quality is constantly monitoring this. They're saying that we've significantly improved um, our air quality, not to mention that newer vehicles, uh, you know, by design have fewer emissions, whether they're EVs or just more efficient, right? And so they thought that it was time to, um, you know, not force people to go to those little emission stands in the gas station or, Emerald Lanes, a bowling alley parking lot, uh, if you're on the bench to to get those checked and pay 20 bucks for the for the privilege anymore. Um, and so that went away. Uh, as you mentioned, there are some people who are like, well, you know, I, I'm still worried about our air quality. Uh, DEQ does say like this shouldn't affect it. Uh, if anything, it'll just plateau or, you know, s- you know, slow the rate of getting better. Um, but that's what they maintain. Uh, I, am sure people still have, uh, a lot of questions about it, but for now we no longer have to get our vehicles checked and plugged into those, uh, weird little reader things. Well, it's interesting. We just had an episode recently where we talked about how the city of Boise has some pretty aggressive green goals to fight climate change. So how are cities going to react to this? It seems kind of like another example of the Republican state majority targeting liberal Boise. Is that fair or am I reading into that? I I mean, it might be, but I, to be honest, I haven't really heard a lot of pushback um, from it when it was debated in 2022. You know, certainly Democrats did raise the issue of, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that we should at least keep some process in place 
uh, that we could potentially re-implement these uh, these sorts of vehicle emissions testing, which which they did. Um, there is a process by which they can reconvene a council um, to do this. But as of right now, uh, you know, that is not the case in Idaho that uh, we have one anymore. I'm personally thrilled about it, not because I mind the 20 bucks or even uh, the air quality thing, but because every time I think, and I've talked to lots of women, this is a universal female experience, I think. Uh, I have been sexually harassed by every single emissions guy I've ever had to deal with. I don't know if it's just because they know you're captive and you just need that piece of paper, Uh, but it's like this very universal thing. So I don't have to get sexually harassed by the emission guys anymore. Air quality be damned, I guess. Uh, One annual sexual harassment, please. (laughs) State mandated. Let me pay you $20 for that. Thank you so much. Well, let's talk about this new law that I seems like pretty great to me that says landlords now have to charge reasonable fees to tenants. What does this mean for renters in Boise and across the state? Yeah. So this was from uh, Senator Ali Rabi. She's a Boise Democrat who also is the executive director of Jesse Tree, which is all about uh, helping low income people uh, stay in their homes or, you know, not get evicted from uh, any place that they rent. And so she has been talking about this for years with, uh, you know, a bipartisan group of lawmakers as well to try to rein in what she sees as, as ridiculous, excessive fees, which, you know, some examples that she gave during the debates and during the, uh, you know, committee hearings were like, you know, you have to pay $100 every single day that your rent is late or, you know, you have to pay $500 for this one thing. And so like these fees just keep stacking up and stacking up. And uh, apparently under Idaho law, any sort of uh, money that you send to the landlords or your property management company goes towards knocking down your accrued fees and not necessarily your rent, ah. uh, which then makes it easier for you to be evicted. So the law is pretty uh, light on details. It just says landlords have to charge, quote, reasonable fees. Um, something in there that's more concrete is that uh, landlords can't, if you have a written lease agreement, they have to give you 30 days notice uh, if they want to change any sort of fee rate or if they want to implement a new fee. So then at least you have a heads up as to, you know, something coming down the pike instead of, hey, this month I'm charging you a $200, you know, uh, lint removal fee or something. I don't know. Well, good. I mean, I think that definitely more needs to be done there, but it's a start uh, and an improvement anyway. There's also a few like really high profile bills that won't take effect until January 1st, right? Yeah, that's right. So, for example, and I know we've talked about this on on CityCast Boise, but um, the ban on uh, transition related care for minors is supposed to go into effect January 1st of 2024, um, you know, pending the outcome or any sort of action with the federal lawsuit that's been filed. Uh, You know, a lot of those have been struck down in federal courts recently, so we'll see how that goes. Um, But then there's another one called the Clean Slate Act, which would allow people with certain offenses, non-sexual, non-violence offenses to have their court records sealed. They can apply after um, five years of completing their sentence. And as long as they don't commit another crime within that time frame, then you can apply 
uh, through the court system to to make it so that's that's kind of out of the public domain. Mm, okay. Well, interesting. Uh, thanks for keeping track of that. And we'll check in, obviously, on those other bills that are coming up for January 1st. Heath, let's turn to you. You've been very quiet this whole time. Uh, we have to ask you about something that we very much avoid on this podcast, but I think it's finally time to check in. What's the latest with Ammon Bundy and his so-called barbecue standoff? Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to call it, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I mean, so... So yeah, so far it's kind of been Ammon Bundy walking around his orchards, uh, and his some of his uh, close friends kind of hanging out there. Um, whether or not it's a standoff, um, kind of hard to say. I think what's notable, and just for for people who um, don't go down the, the rabbit holes I go down and maybe aren't familiar, St. Luke's, uh, the hospital system is suing him. And his kind of right-hand man, Diego Rodriguez, whereabouts unknown right now, they're both being sued by St. Luke's. They haven't showed up to court. So St. Luke's keeps taking action. And um, there's been a bunch of rulings against uh, Ammon Bundy and Diego Rodriguez because they're not showing up. So basically, the trouble's kind of piling up. There was a civil arrest warrant uh, that was issued for Ammon Bundy. And this standoff-ish thing started with that, uh, where essentially the Gem County Sheriff uh, was theoretically going to go arrest him. There's been a series of sort of drive outs, I guess, there. And then Ammon Bundy didn't get arrested. Some of his followers were kind of blocking the land a little bit. It's been weird. But that is that's what's been happening What's notable, though, I think what's most notable for me as somebody who's watched this guy for years and years and interviewed him a number of times, um, is that nobody showed up to the standoff. I mean, not nobody, but very few people. Whereas in the past, uh, the Bundys have had two very prominent standoffs with the federal government, one in Bunkerville, Nevada, one in Malheur National Wildlife Refuge in Oregon, and people did come from across the country to support them. Now you've seen that um, that change a lot. The only people who really came out to support Ammon this time were his sort of close associates who all live, uh, almost all of them live right around Boise, right around the Treasure Valley. I, I, I do think that he's alienated a lot of people and I think he's kind of slipping as far as standoff mojo. Yeah, I think you're right. You mentioned the police going out there. Uh, that's happened a couple times, right? But why hasn't he been arrested? That that is one of the, the 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 weird details of this. At first, the Gem County Sheriff said we're worried that Ammon is is going to be potentially violent, and certainly in the past, um, things have turned violent at these standoffs. One of Ammon's uh, one of Ammon's associates, Lavoy Finicum, um, was shot by state police in Oregon. Um, at the after the uh, kind of during the Malheur standoff, when he police say he was running a checkpoint, there's there's controversy uh, uh, among Ammon supporters about that. But there has been violence. The Jim County Sheriff uh, and Ammon Bundy made a series of comments that certainly evoked violence, talking about shotguns and having to take a stand. So yes, that certainly seemed like you know there was a, a threat of that. It was a little weird that a sheriff said he couldn't arrest somebody 
because he was worried about this person confronting them. Because, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people were kind of like, well, aren't you law enforcement? So he kind of backed off that. Um, but then he's been out a couple times. Ammon hasn't been arrested. It's it's a little weird. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure why. Ammon does have a few supporters there that I guess are are sort of are sort of blocking off the land. But so far, it's just been kind of a almost like an implied standoff because it's not like the sheriff is just sitting there, like you know, with guns drawn, obviously waiting. So far, Ammon is Ammon is still there, kind of racking up. Uh, War uh, a warrant and court fines and all this stuff, but so far nothing's happened. But um, the trial is scheduled to go on this month. I don't know that there's much of a chance that Bundy or Diego will show up, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens when that trial date comes in a few days. You know, it's funny we keep saying standoff, but uh, is it a standoff if nobody shows up? I don't know what we like. You said I'm not really sure what we call that exactly. If a standoff, standoff, stands off, <laughs> a standoffish standoff, <laughs> and nobody shows up, is it a standoff? <laughs> I, I would say no, and I think it's funny uh, in a way, but also like we should be a little careful as journalists to, um, you know, overblow what's happening. Um, because I, I I don't think it is a standoff, um, and it's important to note, yeah, he like again, he had so many people come armed before to to these two other actual standoffs, and they didn't show up, which is which is you know why it hasn't really turned into that, and I and I think it's important to note um, some of the reasons, uh, you know, he's really alienated a lot of people. Some people might be familiar with Eric Parker, who's the leader of the main three percent or militia group in Idaho. He was known as the the Bundy Sniper or some other names, Bridge Sniper. He had his weapon pointed towards law enforcement in Nevada at the the OG Bundy standoff. So he he had a lot of skin in the game there. He almost he he I shouldn't say almost he he didn't go to prison. He was convicted of a, of just a misdemeanor after facing some charges that could have put him in prison for the rest of his life. He didn't go to prison, but he certainly took a big risk. And now he's been really kind of trashing Ammon on Twitter, and he he's really he he's sort of representative of some people who used to be supportive who are like you know this guy's really kind of turned his back on his supporters and he's kind of all about himself. Um, some of them bring up uh, the possibility that some uh, that a lot of what Ammon's doing is sort of a grift to raise money for his People's Rights Network, which itself is very opaque as far as where that money's going. It's not really a registered like it's not really registered to be a nonprofit. So what's happening? But it's a very long way of saying Ammon's lost a lot of friends. He's lost a lot of friends. That 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 part, there's no question. Uh, people who used to be very supportive of him are pretty mad right now and don't want to risk going to jail for you know what a lot of people see as Ammon just sort of avoiding having his day in court. Yeah, you mentioned his uh, uh, the People's Rights, his national anti-government group. So where does that leave this, them? Like what happens now? You know, I'll be honest, as somebody who's reported on them for a long time, I kind of wonder if the national part of that was was maybe more of a paper tiger than um, than I thought because you would think he's got theoretical chapters throughout the country. He's got theoretical chapters. I have to double check, but like at last check, it was a, a the vast majority of states had some kind of presence online, but they're not coming. 
So you got to wonder how devoted those people are, how active those people are, how many of the people who you know are there on paper are are really in the group. This does seem to be exposing the group's weakness, um, whether it's sort of been on the wane, which it might be. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of far right activists go into jail uh, post January six, and and that's picked up recently. And uh, you got to wonder if some people also like maybe just with time, they're sort of less devoted and they're just like, "Eh, you know, I like not being in jail. Um, People like not being in jail. It's like it's this sort of simple thing that they sometimes gets overlooked in these complicated analyses. Like it's a big deal to go uh, go stand with somebody who you probably don't really know very well and risk your freedom to you know protect them. Yeah. And I feel like, like you said at the very beginning, these sad, uh, sad older gentlemen walking around or apple orchards videos he's posting right now, probably not helping the cause a whole lot because they aren't real inspiring. They're more just kind of like, I don't know, like almost like breakup videos or something. Like he's so bummed that nobody's paying attention to him right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little weird. He's like he's he's posted at least a couple of these long rambling videos where he's like walking around his orchard and like comparing overgrown branches to uh DC bureaucrats and saying they need to be trimmed and it's uh I, I will say it's not like uh, it's not must see TV. It's it, it really kind of like it's a little odd. Like he's he's just by himself walking around. Yeah. Big old man yells at cloud energy, you know, just sort of walking around making making sad videos. I don't I don't feel like you're going to pull a whole lot of followers from that for sure. Yeah, it's. It's not the it's it's not the it's not the like uh, sort of uh, carefree days of Malheur when they were opening up boxes of dildos that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, opponents sent them and sort of like shaking their fist at that. That was kind of entertaining. Yeah, I not a single single box of dildos for poor Ammon. Well, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that. It'll be it's as always interesting to see what happens next with him. But uh, let's let's end on a fun thing. I mean, fun. I. I guess for you more than me, but the Twilight Criterium is happening this weekend, which I have, I have zero interest in, but I know you're both bike guys. Are you going? Are you excited? I love it. I know nothing about professional bike racing, but I think it's an awesome event in, uh, I think it's an awesome free event in Boise. It sounds like there might be some, some real mixed feelings here on the panel though. <laughs> what, Jimmy, what about you? So I've always wanted to go like I'm not super into watching professional cycling or anything. I like to ride my own bike and I I have several of them and I maintain them and I work on them and build them. But the my only excuse is that I'm a wimp in the summer, even though I grew up in Lewiston, which, by the way, Boise, it gets hotter there than it does here. Um, oh, crap. Really? Yeah, yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, so congratulations. I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> like win. first capital, we're hotter than you. Like, you know, but all that said is I'm a wimp in the heat. And so like every time that the Twilight Criterium has come around, it feels like uh, it's always been over 100 degrees. And I just don't want to be out on the sidewalk uh, just watching you know, cyclists go by. But since this weekend's weather is going to be at least a little better, um, I'll take the 90s. That's okay. Uh, I might just have to head down there and grab a beer and uh, watch them while I'm sitting and uh, certainly not 
you know, expending thousands of calories uh, doing a competitive race. Yeah, my only I feel like it's not I don't have a fair assessment of if it's fun or not, because my only experience with it is drive driving downtown and then being like, God, it's Twilight Criterium and you get stuck in all that traffic and you can't get anywhere. Uh, that's really my only exposure to it. It could be a really good time. But like you said, hot and lots of standing and waiting for bikes to go by. Is that a fair Heath? Is that a fair assessment? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. Uh, here's my pitch. Here's okay. my pitch. Okay. Okay. And again, I I do not really follow bike racing. I don't know much about it. But I will say, what's really cool about it is, A, it's free. B, if you go to the pro races, it's at a time of day where it's already cooling off. So you can go there. You can go there at sunset. And it's not too bad, um, you know, unless it's like a horrific day, which it's not going to be this year. It's going to be, you know, just the the normal bad. So it's cooling off and you can get right up there on the fence and these guys are going by and like you feel the like the whoosh go by and like it's just like to see these pros going so much faster than you could even imagine going except on an e-bike maybe it's really cool like it, it you 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 literally feel it and like that is and it's just something you don't get to experience very often. And the cool thing about it is like, you're not committed, like you go there and you hang out for a bit and like, you know, you, you feel them go by, you go get a beer. And then when it wraps up, you're right downtown. And if you want to make a night of it, it's on the weekend. If you want to go grab a drink or a bite, you, you walk down and it's a great atmosphere. Um, people are super excited. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're ringing the cowbell. I, I don't know. It's one of those things like how many, how often are you going to get to go to a, a, a professional bike race at a really high level for free and then just walk to your, your local downtown restaurant or watering hole and have fun. I don't know. It's good. I, I highly recommend it. I don't know. You're selling it. You are selling it. You you do make it sound pretty exciting and easy yeah. and true. Free. you like totally free. A nice fun date for people to, to go to uh, this weekend. Plus, kind of, I mean, not in the Twilight Criterion, a little bit of local skin in the bicycling game, right? Talk to me about that. Yeah. We, somebody. I don't know who's going <laughs> to, but somebody, please. <laughs> I, think Jimmy, I think Jimmy knows this, this a little better than me. Yeah, so Matteo Jorgensen, a Boise native guy, uh, is actually in the Tour de France uh, again this year. And, you know, I'm just checking his latest standings, uh, uh, you know, as we're recording this on Thursday, they've done six stages. And uh, so far, he is, I believe, uh, ranked 52. Let's uh, let's check this out. 58, excuse me, but still 58 out of the 172 uh, riders in what is cycling's premier event of the year is is pretty incredible. I think Uh, his team is also, I believe, in the middle of the pack as as we've said we know very little about professional cycling but it is team based <laughs> and uh, also individually based uh, in certain areas but yeah so he seems to be doing pretty well individually and his team uh, you know is uh, better than average so i i think that's great and it's nice that we uh, not to take away from Kristen armstrong because she's great uh, but we have uh, another professional cyclist uh, who's doing really well that's pretty cool that's pretty exciting Oh, all right. All right, Heath. It sounds pretty fun. No, but I do. (laughs) I do encourage people to go. (laughs) 
Uh, and who knows? Maybe I will. What will be happening is I'll be down there accidentally doing something and I'll be like, Twilight Criterium. And I'll just, for once, for the first time in my life, park the car and go watch the bikes instead of sitting in traffic. So, all right. Well, thank you both so much. This has been really, really great. And yeah, who knows, Heath? Maybe a miracle will happen and, and you'll see me down there. Uh, but but either way, thanks, thanks a bunch and we'll see you again. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Emma. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Frankie Barnhill, Eva Navitia, A.K.L. Mootman, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with help this week from Adrian Gonzalez, and our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye.